Hey everyone, I'm Alex Cantor. And I'm Lily Rosenthal. Welcome to our podcast, Hot Pastrami. We are coming to you from our favorite booth at Cantor's Deli here in LA. We're going to invite some of our friends to join us for a chat over some matzo ball soup and pastrami sandwiches. So join us for new episodes of Hot Pastrami every week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts. See you soon. Bye. Welcome to Live Boldly with Sarah Shulton Kranz, a survivor, thriver, adventurer, and believer in all things possible. My mission is to guide others to live their life boldly, regardless of circumstances. I believe we all have the power to overcome and lead joy-filled, happy lives. Recorded from the trail or in my office, I share inspiring stories from everyday people because we all deserve to be heard. You will also hear from handpicked professionals ready to guide you beside me. Are you ready? Let's do this. Hi, friends. Welcome to another episode of Live Boldly with Sarah Shulton Kranz. Today I have on Lisa Pachens, and we are talking about masculine versus feminine energy. So go grab your journals and listen and take notes. Masculine versus feminine energy is something that I've been diving into a lot more over the last couple of years. It's been a really big tool in my healing energy, healing journey, understanding where I show up in this world um, within the masculine versus the feminine and how to balance both within work and life and being a mom and, you know, a friend, a daughter, all of the things. So let's talk a little bit about Lisa, but first I want to remind you that we have retreats coming up. You guys, our Grand Canyon retreats have been filling every single time that I've been running them and our Alaska retreat in July, it fills up in a week and a half. So we do have Grand Canyon in October of 2021. It is co-ed. We also have the Grand Canyon in 2022. Um, We have February and April. And then Ta-da! We decided that we are going to run Alaska again in 2022 as well. It is the end of July. So you can find all of the retreats. They are deep dive healing. We do meditating in nature. It's a time for you to set your phone aside to really sit with who you are. We coach, we adventure, we hike, we play, we laugh, we do all of the things. And I'm telling you, they are so amazing. So if you are interested, you can email me, sarah at sarahsholtonkranz.com, or just go into my website, sarahsholtonkranz.com, and uh, you can schedule a discovery call with me. Let's see if it's the right fit for you. So let's talk about Lisa. She is an executive life and leadership coach to big-hearted, high achievers who who crave extraordinary lives, incredible impact, and badass well-being. As an elite coach for coaches, entrepreneurs, and executives, Lisa brings deep insights, practical tactics, and masterful partnership to enact transform- transformative life and business changes. She's been featured on This Is It TV and The College Success Professor. She has contributed to internationally acclaimed podcasts and websites such as the Dream Mason podcast, the Human Care podcast, Opulent Events, oh gosh, uh, so many more. She, when she isn't leading a coach, training program, deep diving with clients or teaching a workshop. She's traveling the world with her husband, pre-2020 of course, chasing her two cats or hosting community connection and vino hours. Go grab your journals, 
If you can take this podcast outside, please do so. There's a lot of great information in it. And I really believe deeply in this topic, which is why I wanted to bring it all to you. So enjoy this episode where we talk about masculine versus feminine energy. If you would please share this with others, I would appreciate it. Go in and rate, review my podcast, make sure that you are subscribing, of course, and then if you would really do so, I would love it if you would take this and put it into your own social media. Tag me and I will retag in my stories. So much love. Thank you for being here. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Live Boldly with Sarah Shelton Kranz. I have Lisa Pachens on this call with me. And I am so excited to dive into this with you about the masculine versus feminine energy. Oh, baby, this is going to get good because let me tell you, this has been my my own jam space of masculine versus feminine for a very long time um, in my own healing journey. And we're going to be just like diving into a bunch of different topics surrounding that. And so Lisa, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to talk to you. I feel like I can... I can chat with you for hours and hours, but you have you have water to hit and hikes to, ah! to hike on. So we'll try to keep it brief, but thank you for having oh, me. Oh gosh. Yes. I was just telling her my board has been on my car since 830 this morning. Um, that's how I start my day is if you start putting it into action, eventually your body, mind, spirit, and soul will follow, right? So I put my board on top of my car, have not hit the water yet, but I'm going to in between my calls between this and my next one. So I hope that helps a few of you just get it into action. Take the step. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Right? I, I tell my, all my clients that I'm like, what is the tiniest little action towards that thing? That's so easy. You can't not do it. Yes. Yes, exactly. Even if it's like, it's, yeah, putting your board in your car or putting your sneakers by the front door before you go to the gym or mm-hmm putting out a gallon of water instead of a gallon of whatever, iced tea or caffeine. It's amazing. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. So tell us a little bit about you, your journey, and how you got into this incredible work that you do. I would love to. So my official title is CEO and PCC coach, professional certified coach. I own LP Coaching, which is a small little, uh, not little, it's a small business. uh, And I work primarily with high achieving, big hearted women who are looking to Mm. create massive impact, but not massive burnout. And Mm. I got into this work because I was one of those women. And I was at the end of my rope. I had this amazing, cushy corporate job. And I just couldn't seem to get out of that cycle of successful, but not satisfied. And so I ended up hiring a coach. I actually literally ran into a coach at a networking event. I bumped into her and I'm like, oh, that's a really cute headband. And she's like, oh, you seem like you need some support. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. (laughs) So I I worked with her for about a year and boy, oh boy, my mind was blown. I, I often worked alongside of other successful, high, highly ambitious, high achieving people And we all kind of suffered from the same thing in different phases. And what I realized is that it's not, I mean, this isn't just something to deal with. We don't need more money so we can take more time off. It's not better time management. 
It is our internal conditioning that keeps us from having the, the meaning and the success and the boundaries that we need. It is absolutely internal. And so that mindset just, it just blew my mind. I was like, oh my gosh, I found Atlantis. Everyone needs this. <laughs> Everyone needs to find coaching. And I dove headfirst into the world of ontological coaching, which is really just the study of being, who you're being informs your thoughts, your beliefs, your words, and your actions. Um, and I've had incredible personal transformation from being an entrepreneur. I would love to hear your, your experience with this too, Sarah. I think being an entrepreneur is like the, the most transformative journey you can be on besides parenting. Well, I had no idea that my journey was ever going to look like this. <laughs> and yes, I will tell you that the minute I said yes and, and decided to do the work that I'm doing, it just, it has transformed my life. It's, it's allowed me to step into the highest version of me that I could ever have um, expected um, or anticipated. And I, I will never stop doing this. Never. I think that for me, it was also the start of the, the start of my healing journey took me into this personal development space that I never even had really truly heard about, which then led me into, okay, I want this for other people. And I, as a teacher, a former teacher, it was just something that I was called to do. And I, um, I just feel so honored and blessed to be doing it. I will tell you also that I, I think that the parallel or the, um, the space of it is also the healing and then also the personal development, like living in a mindset society is one thing. Living in a heart space society where we do the deep healing um, is a whole nother space. And when we can do the both of them, um, it is that's where I feel that the, the true transformation actually happens. Preach. Oh, my gosh. Preach. I know. I know. Yeah, I I know. And that's for me. Yeah. For me, that's where it all really like, I think that when, when that happened, when I realized, cause I, I really do think that so many coaches are just mindset and I, I'm not just a mindset coach at all. I don't want to be a mindset coach, quite frankly, everything for me starts from the heart and moves into the head. And so, and which for so many coaches, it's just the opposite. It starts with the head moves into the heart. So, um, you know, alignment of all is where it really truly is the transformational space. Yeah. yeah. Which then leads into the feminine and the and the, and the masculine energy. So let's dive into that because I I find this to be so fascinating on so many different levels. Um, it would not only within my own life, but then within my clients' lives. So let's let's dive into that space. Let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> Get your piece of paper, people, and your pen because you're going to want to take notes. We're dropping some nuggets. Well, I love what you said about you first entered into the personal development realm, which was something you haven't heard of. And then you entered into the, you know, healing is also part of that as well. Right. Um, or it's like a Venn diagram, personal development and healing come together, the head, the head-based work and the heart-based work. And I think for a lot of people who were raised in a, in a masculine environment or in a head-based environment, personal development was and is not really something to consider and healing. Don't even go there. Like, right. don't talk about your therapy. Don't talk about your problems. Don't talk about your heart. That's not, that's not welcome in the corporate environment. And even personal development can be a little too like, really with some people. So yeah. 
you know, I, I, for me and for some of my like really strongly um, masculine conditioned clients, starting from a place of starting from a place of um, you know, like the the personal development. Well, what do you actually want? What does that look like? And what are the confines of your current conditioning that has you not be able to go there? We create our own glass ceiling if we stay in our heads. That's the Mm -hmm. problem. Yes. Yes. I want everybody to write that down because we do. We create our own glass ceilings by staying in our head. Yes. Mm -hmm. We do. And and that Venn diagram of of head and heart, I think that the healing 100% needs to come from that heart-based space. And sometimes the way through that is through the head, but regardless, it is so, so, so necessary. Um, and I think that the, the most power comes from that combination of masculine and feminine head and heart, because as human beings, we have both, we need both. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on that? No, I, I agree with you. I think that it's so, I a hundred percent agree with you. I think that um, for so long, I was that fighter. You know, I was like the person that would fight, that would do, that was constantly in the get it done uh, mentality. And once I would allow myself to drop into my heart and just just allow myself to be and to feel, to heal anything, you have to feel everything. Mm -hmm. And then also through that space, we develop a deeper understanding of self, which then also allows us to become the person that we are meant to be. Yeah. hundred percent. You know, there are uh, very interesting head-based realms like emotional intelligence and conversational intelligence, very sciencey. But what's interesting about those um, those studies is that they're also extremely heart-based. Emotional intelligence is half feeling. Yeah. <laughs> like how much do you feel? Do you allow yourself to empathize? How far do you go when it comes to compassion? I mean it's it is half the quadrant. It's half the space. But unless, unless we really break through our, our heads and logic and, like you said, in, in, to feel things, we can't actually improve them. Mm-hmm. It's like the difference between standing on the sidelines and analyzing the game versus getting in the game right? and feeling the feelings. But I think that's what femininity is really about. It's about getting in the game and going through the shadow sides with compassion instead of logic. Yeah. And being vulnerable to that. You know, what's interesting is when people ask me about my Grand Canyon trips, they say, well, how, how do I know if I'm ready for it physically? Right. And they're, they're, they're going straight to that space of, you know, how do I know that I'm physically or mentally prepared for it? And I always say, you know, you can, you can, you can go from only that space, but then it's also are you ready emotionally for it? Are you ready to truly balance the space of masculine and feminine and to dive in in that space, that way to, um, to feel and to experience, not just to simply do, which is been one of the things that we, that we've been talking a lot about within our own journeys, um, through this, my favorite thing to do. Oh, this is so good. One of my favorite trips is when I have all women and one man and then, and it's, yeah. And I'll tell you, it is, um, it is fascinating. The very first trip that I ran like that was, I believe in February of 2019, 
where uh, there was supposed to have two guys show up and one of them couldn't be there at the last moment. And um, the man showed up that who, who did go in this tall six, seven Canadian, right? Like the most, oh, incredible human being. And it was all women. And we ended up, uh, and him, and we ended up calling ourselves Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Because, <laughs> and we stood up in the cabin and we took a picture, Snow White, him, Seven Dwarfs, us, the women. Oh, that is incredible. incredible. Oh. Remember, seven, six, seven. And we're all like, not. And, and he said at the end of that trip, and I remember him talking about this. He said at the end of that trip, he said to me, every man should go on a trip with all women and all women should go on a trip when there's one man, because we learn more, uh, we learn more deeply about one another. And also he said for those men where they find it very difficult to get that vulnerable with their emotions. You literally end up in this such a safe space that you can't help it but do that, but to go there and to do the deep work and to feel the feels and to cry and to laugh and to experience what it is to have those emotions flow through you. Now, I've had this happen two other times where we were supposed to have two men and ended up having one man at the very last moment. And every single one of the trips that that has landed like this the men all say the same. There should always be a trip where there's one man and all women and all women and one man. It's fascinating. I don't, you know, here's, and, and for me, I don't, I don't have any say over that. I always say universe, God, spirit, whatever brings all of these incredible humans together to create this space for them. And it's just so fascinating though, watching it for me on the outside, how hearts crack open and men that come there thinking they come to the space thinking I'm not going to tap in and they do in such a vulnerable, beautiful space, such a, such a way. It's so cool. That is amazing. Yeah. And I, I loved what you were talking about as far as creating uh, an environment of, of safety. I think that is so important. Psychological safety, I think is the, is, is the more like masculine sciencey explanation of it, but it's, it's very necessary and it's starting to become, um, a little bit more mainstream in the corporate world because we're realizing that we don't have a safe space. Oftentimes it's competition and comparison and, um, calling out people who aren't doing well or call it or stamping down people who are. So for you, if, if you don't mind me asking, how do you create that safety, which elicits the vulnerability and emotions? Yeah. Well, here's the thing with me. I think that by sharing, we give others permission to share. And so people so many oftentimes look at me and they think, oh, you're so strong. You're this, you're this, like, you know, you, you guide and you do all the things and it's a masculine space. That's actually why I started taking my red heels to the top of summits because so many people looked at me like, oh, she's this like strong male, like this, I had male energy in me. And yeah, I do. I have masculine energy in me. I know that about myself and I am a woman. And so when I take my heels to the top of summits, for me, it's the balance of both. It's the feminine and it's the masculine of both, right? We all have it in us. And when I'm in the retreats, when I'm guiding, when I'm leading, I have no problem getting as vulnerable with all of you as I want you to get with me. And so I 
cry. I laugh. I shed tears. I go there with people. I get very intimate with my emotions and vulnerable with my experiences. And um, I think that for, for any of us that creates space for others, it gives them permission to do the same, right? And so once one opens up and cracks their heart, it's like everybody else can't help but want a taste of that beautiful, you know, that, that, that beautiful sweetness of self. And um, that's why I encourage everybody to do it. I have no problem doing that myself. And I encourage everyone to do that. Just go there, lean in. And it's such a simple thing and it's so powerful Yeah, for lead, for leaders to go first and to be vulnerable first, it creates a, uh, a cascade of vulnerability. That's how culture gets created. The person at the top goes first and leads by example. I, I love the quote that, you know, if we want to change behaviors in others, the last thing you want to do is tell them. What right. you actually want to do is model it. That's the best yeah. way to change someone else's behavior is to model how you want to be and how you want them to be. So if it's like me and my husband and I want to share more vulnerably, I have to go first. I have to be willing to go first. Well, That's and that goes with parenting too. If we think about our parents and our past um, patterns of behavior, right? Like what's what's been passed down to us generationally? And so if your parents were ones to shove everything under the rug and not talk about it or to not share emotions, it's more difficult for us to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. That's also why in my parenting and the way that I parent with my children, it's, I mean, I, I'm very honest with them. My communication style is very clear. I, I will never hold anything back but truth from them. Mm-hmm. I have parents ask me that all the time. Well, how do your kids, how do your kids respond to your story and to the truth that you put out there. And I always tell them, if I'm not going to be, I'm first of all, I'm never sharing my children's story. I'm never sharing my ex-husband's story. I'm sharing my story and what has happened in my lifetime with them. And that said, right, by us being more truthful and honest, especially from the top down, gives them permission to do also the same thing with their friends, with their, with their colleagues, with their you know, they're classmates. And isn't that what we want is, is to have our kids be leaders in this world. Yeah. That I I was thinking about Brene Brown's book, Dare to Lead. No, yes. Oh my gosh. So good. I read it twice. And it's all about exactly what you're talking about. It's going first and it's being vulnerable and being clear, clear as kind. And the Mm -hmm. best leaders have that combination of of vision and, um, you know, hard work, but also the empathy and the connection and the compassion. I mean, her, her whole book is split into three sections. The first is empathy. The second is courage. And the third is integrity. Yes. Yes. So yeah, you have, as a leader, you have to carry that. Um, both, well, you don't have to, but in order to really create an impact, yeah. uniting both the, the, the emotion and the feeling and the true connection and the productivity, you have to go first. You have to model it. Well, and how the heck can we be empathetic for others if we're not empathetic with ourselves? How can we ask others to be courageous if we can't be courageous ourselves? How can we ask others to have integrity if we can't stand in our own? Right. And so, and so I, I mean, for me, 
you know, and I always say like leaders, whatever, however you choose, wherever you're at within your life, really think about what you value so that you can stand in that so that others then can also see you to, to, to be able to, so, and, and you should be modeling for them, right? Like that's why you're here. And you also, again, want to create a platform where then they can rise to that same space. If you're a CEO or whomever you are, that's how I run my business. If I'm not, if I'm not in integrity, if I'm not in truth, if I'm not in all of those things, if I'm not going to be lead with courage, then who am I to be leading other people? Absolutely. And you know, one of the things that I found was in the way of that is people getting real with their own S-H-I-T. You can say it with their own shit. With their own shit. Thank you. I I am curse happy. I wasn't sure if that was allowed. Heck yeah. You can curse. It's totally fine. Get get good with your own shit, people. <laughs> yeah. 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 Get real with yourselves. Yes. Oftentimes, I mean, when when we aren't seeing the productivity in other people, it's because we're not real with us. And we're going, okay, what's wrong with them? Instead of, okay, what do I need to change? Where am I limiting myself? Where is like what we talked about? Where is that glass ceiling? And I think that we we feed ourselves our own bullshit all the time. And so unless we're constantly looking inward or we have someone else reflecting or we have that community where we get to be real and we get to share, we're going to buy our own bullshit. Yeah. We like what we're selling. Yes. Oh, okay. Can write that one down too. So many of us like what we're selling. Yeah. And so if you are selling yourself bullshit, it's time for you to really look at that. Because, you know, when people ask, they also come to me and ask me about this. How do you get out of that victim mentality where it's very common to do? And it can be very easy to stay in that space. You got to get real with yourself. You got to get truthful with yourself. You got to be honest with yourself because nobody else is going to be but you, truly. You know yourself better than anybody else, right? And so one of the words, one of the, one of the phrases that I always ask myself is, what do I know to be true about me? What do I really know to be true about me? And that means looking in the mirror and seeing my own reflection and looking myself in the eyes and getting real and honest. Because again, nobody else is going to be as honest with yourself as you are. And that can be hard to do, very hard to do. And asking yourself the tough questions. Am I playing the victim? Am I staying in this space because it's comfortable? Do I really want to heal? Do I truly want to grow? Do I really want to be? a model for others? Or am I just saying that? Do I really care? <laughs> you know, hard questions. And the trick there is regardless of your answer to be compassionate and be okay yes. with it. Even Absolutely. if, 100%. even if it's, you know what? No, I don't, I don't want to heal right now. Or now isn't the time to be the leader. Maybe I do want to play victim for a little bit more. Great. Do what you need to do. Yes. When do you want to have that conversation with yourself again? Okay, great. Let's set a time for that and check back in and allowing the process. You know, that was another thing that I found in my journey and transformation is that, of course, I fed transformation into that same box of where I am is not okay. Or if I don't want to change that, that's not okay. And so each time I hit the, well, okay, why don't you stay in victimhood? I'm like, oh my God, then I'm terrible. I'm horrible. And that was the same, that was the bullshit that I fed myself for 25 years that right. I'm a, that I'm a POS and I need to work my ass off. I need to be twice as hard and twice as smart as everyone else to get to the same place. That was my, my form of BS. 
So even in transformation, feeding ourselves that good stuff, the empathy, the compassion, so that we we have our own safe space to be real and to be hurt and to confront our own shit. Yeah. I think that was my, that was like one of the big breakthroughs I had in the last five years. Yeah. When did you have your biggest breakthrough? I'm curious. Oh, you know, uh, so I started outlining my book and my book follows my seven year personal development journey. And every year I outlined one big breakthrough I had. Mm. Um, I think recently it's been that it's been being like truly getting that I am okay wherever I am, even if it means not having the breakthrough. <laughs> that, well, not having the breakthrough can sometimes be the biggest breakthrough. <laughs> oh, good Lord. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and for my type A ambitious conditioned mechanism, it takes a lot of trust. It takes like, five boatloads of trust to get to that place of, yeah, it's okay. I trust the process. I mean, I've been in this for seven years. I got a lot, a lot of life ahead of me. I'm going to be fine if I don't have that breakthrough right now. And I trust I'm going to keep working towards it anyways in whatever it is I'm doing. So there's, yeah. Breakthroughs aren't going to end until you're like, you know, six feet under the earth. So, (laughs) or, 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 or as I want to be, which is, spread around in the mountains and the ocean, my hometown of Black Earth and the Grand Canyon. So there you go. <laughs> that sounds so much better than six feet under. <laughs> I don't know. My kids are not overly excited about that. <laughs> when I told them, I when I said I want my ashes in the, this is actually funny and we'll keep this conversation flowing. But when I said to them, I want my ashes spread in the Grand Canyon on the ocean in the mountains in my hometown of Black Earth, my three sons, one said, I get the ocean. The other said, I get the, I get hometown of black earth. The other said, I don't want the mountains of the grand Canyon. I don't want to have to go there. I was like, you guys, come on. Love your mom. They were like, are you serious mom? That's so much work to get you there. (laughs) What about how hard it's been to get you here? Like, Come on. Oh, man. Go on a road trip, folks. Mom, don't make me do homework. It's hard. Well, I told them they don't get to just drive up to it and spread them. They have to go to my favorite spot in the canyon, which I think that they were like, seriously, I got to hike you in and let you go. (laughs) That is good. I know. You should be like, here are five other places that are much harder. (laughs) Yes. You want that instead? Mount Kilimanjaro. Seriously. Everest. I mean, come on. I know. Choose your heart. (laughs) Exactly. Well, I want to back up really quick and just ask you something. How do you define masculine energy versus feminine energy? I'm just very curious about this within your own, with what you do. Well, I'm sure I'm going to F it up because there are books on this and I have not studied this for that long, but my experience is that masculine energy is the, is the more logic, analytical, hard work, um, ambitious, always moving forward, action oriented sort of, sort of self. I think everyone has a part of that. 
right. in them. And it has, everyone has a, a feminine part to them. I think it's what makes us human. We have to have both left and right brain. Otherwise it would be a lobotomy. It'd be half, right. you know, half alive. And then the feminine energy is the, it's the emotion, it's the feeling, it's the emoting, it's the compassion and the nurture, the, the mother earth. Yes. So that's yes. how I would, I would describe it. I'm sure that I could probably create a better definition, but in coaching, it oftentimes shows up in this capacity of, okay, where, where am I defining this from? Where am I coming from right now? Am I coming from a, um, like a, like a forward moving, a what's next mentality, or am I coming from a, a nurturing, compassion, empathetic, and what do I need right now? Like what's actually best? Where do I, where are my automatics? What would I automatically do right here? You know, for me, I, I grew up as an athlete, but also as highly sensitive, highly mm-hmm. sensitive and highly emotional. And so I, I had these two worlds that just did not make sense. And so I learned to crush my emotional side down, which took so much freaking energy and allow my masculine athlete, aggressive, harder, faster to, to take precedent. And it just, it didn't work to have just one. Yeah. So you mentioned this diagram to me before we started this, and I want to bring this into the conversation. Would you share it with us, please? Yes, I would love to. So it's, it's brand new. Um, but I've been thinking a lot about masculine and feminine, how it shows up in my coaching, how it shows up for my clients. And I was actually in spin class when I had this idea do my best thinking when I'm, when I'm working out. (laughs) So good. And I thought to myself, you know what? Human beings are so binary. I think that's part of our trap, black and white, right and wrong, Republicans and Democrats. There's so much more out there. So how can I expand this idea of masculine and feminine and bring more multidimensionalness to it? And I thought, you know what, in my coaching, in my transformational journey, it hasn't been just masculine and feminine. It's been masculine. It's been feminine. It's been discovering my and healing my inner child. Mm-hmm. And it's been discovering and healing my relationship to spirit and divinity and the universe. Yeah. To me, those are the four touch points that if you if you're really interested in transforming yourself and finding balance in the world, it's it's developing sacred, divine, or healthy relationships to all four points. And it means going through our shadow side and coming back to the light in each area. And for me, you can either, I don't like the word toxic because I think it implies bad. Mm -hmm. I'd like to think of it as wounded. You can come from your wounded side, which isn't bad. It just means that there's like, you got to cut. It needs, it needs healing. You can either come from wounded masculine or wounded child or even wounded divinity, or you can come from your highest and best in any four of those of those places. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on that? I love that. I love that so much. The inner child piece is something that I um, that we work a lot on as well. And the reason why is, and in fact, when I was just at the speaking engagement this weekend, we were talking about that. We were talking about how um, you know bringing forth. The, the, the child within you, it creates so much adventure. It creates so much space for deeper learning because, and I write about this in my book, as kids, we don't, we're not afraid to fail. We'll try anything, right? Like climb that tree, sure. And go build that tree house, great. 
want to go run through the fields and not worry about tripping. Awesome. It's just who we are. And we're, we're asked and, and actually encouraged to go through the space of, of really exploring life and not just stopping um, at the edge of our comfort zone and being like, nope, not going to try that. And so I think that by us bringing that forth, we're not afraid to do the deep work of, you know, vulnerable emotional work, or um, we're having to look at things from the headspace that we didn't, that we otherwise wouldn't want to. I think it's, uh, it's a beautiful, um, it's beautiful. It's a, it's a great space to be in just bringing forth that child within us and playing with them. Like, why did we stop playing as adults? Well, I didn't. I play all the time. I always have. That's just been me. <laughs> Thank God, because like, I can't imagine having stopped that even, you know, I'm 47. Like, I can't imagine not playing. I play every day. <laughs> oh, I love that. Is it just you a should. habit? Yeah, it a you know habit? what? It's something that, you know, I really think about, I've, I've really been doing a lot of thinking about this actually recently. Because I get asked that a lot, like, you know, you're just always so happy and you're always so this and you're always so that. Well, I've gone through some shit times in my life where I have not been happy. And even in those really hard, difficult times, I never stopped playing. I never stopped playing. I look at it and I'm like, dang, when I was on the ocean or when I was playing with dolphins or when I was, you know, running marathons, I never stopped laughing even when I was freaking crying, I would be that person who was crying and laughing at the same time. Like my life sucks. And I'm actually kind of laughing at how much that my life sucks. You know what I mean? Because you just, it, it's, I think that again, that's always been that child that, that I brought forth. Even as a parent at 17, I, I was holding a lot of responsibility and most, I think people would, would look at it like, well, I'm holding so much responsibility. Now I have to shut off that child. I think any parent for so many of us, we, we feel this need to shut off that child within us because now we have to be the parent. And in reality, what else would your child want, but to see you actually play, right. And to play in a way that they also can learn from. And so I've really been thinking about my parents always played too. Like my parents have been they, they, they're just really good at, at just having fun and making light of the most difficult things, even, even within our own family dynamics that has been perhaps not always the most healthy. And so I, I just, I don't know, I grew up with that and um, I'm so, I feel really blessed to still be that way. Wow. Yeah. And that is an, an environment and a culture that I wish more people had that we could see adults playing. Like, th there's a book, I think, called Play. <laughs> there's not. Maybe I should say it. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's called Play, but uh, a PhD in child psychology wrote it about how play generates so much for adults. It yeah. generates creativity. It's the source of joy. Oftentimes, it's the way we find meaning it brings in partnership, it exercises curiosity. I mean, there's so many good, good things about it, but we unlearn how to be a child as we get older. And I think part of it is that, you know, our, our survival mechanisms are created between the ages of zero and seven. Yeah. So then we learn to 
push aside whatever that childhood means to us and plant this much older way of being in the world at too young of an age. Do you know what, Lisa? This just brought something up that I don't think I've actually even really talked about. I, um, I'm going to share this with all of you. I was playing basketball one time with my children. There, we were at the farmer's market here in Hermosa Beach, and my boys wanted, we always took a basketball down. Like we would buy caramel corn or whatever the heck it was and a couple of, um, you know, vegetables and fruits. And then we would play basketball. And I was playing with them on the court that sits in the farmer's market. And a couple of moms came up to me and said, would you stop? You're making us look bad. Because I was actually playing with my kids. And I remember sitting there thinking to myself, wow, okay, well, no, I'm going to keep playing with my kids because they're my children. Here's where the flips, though. I think that so many parents feel that they have to play with their kids if they, quote, feel like they have to play with their kids because it's their, quote, job. But I was playing with my children in that moment because I really wanted to play basketball. <laughs> it had nothing to do with, I felt like it was a responsibility that I had. It was more so because I simply wanted to be doing it with them, right? I wanted to be with them and I wanted to play ball with them because that is also that child in me saying like, hey, I want to come up and play basketball with you. And so I think that when we when we flip the script on that and stop you know, stop sporting from a place of responsibility and feel like, okay, I simply want to be here doing this with them because it's fun, right? Like I don't do anything in life unless it's fun. Everybody knows that about me and <laughs> creative. And it's like, you know, that's just who I am. We, we, sh- we flip the script on it and that's where we actually get to have the experience of life instead of watching it happen. Mm. That's an amazing story, Sarah. And I, I love the, the meaning that you develop from something that can be quite shaming. I'm, I'm not a parent, but so quite many shaming. of my clients are. Yeah, mom shaming. Quite shame. It's total mom shaming. Total mom shaming. Uh, well, it was Friday afternoon and most moms, I'm just going to I can say this. I think that so many of them, it was like the time to turn it all off and to mm let's take down a bottle of wine and sit at the, which is totally fine. I'm not, I am not shaming them at all for doing that. Mm-hmm. It's simply the space of don't shame me for what I choose to do in during mm-hmm. that time with my kids. Mm-hmm. It was, it was fascinating. It was fascinating. Wow. Yeah. Those Thanks little experiences. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's amazing how much we shut down our ability to have wonder and awe for life. Mm. in order to fit in other things. Yeah. And I had to relearn how to find pleasure and joy in the world after so many years of suppressing it and just doing what I thought I should be doing. Mm. And I, I assume that it's like that for a lot of people that they lose their wonder and awe for life in service of the this false belonging or doing what they should be doing, shooting all over themselves in their lives. And it's one of the great unlearnings that people go through in modern society. Actually, there's a, oh my gosh, there's an amazing quote. Have you read the book Sapiens? I have Heard not. Of it? Perhaps I should. <laughs> it's, a, it's like, it's quite head-based, but the, the author is brilliant. And he talks about the fundamental human tension being this. We have prehistoric brains 
medieval institutions and godlike technology. Oh. Okay, explain. Go for it. Explain. Well, we were talking about this, uh, this inner child, right? And how a lot of our stuff is conditioned. We tend to shut down our emotions or do things we think we should be doing. Uh, we lose a lot of wonder in life, so on and so forth. Our brains are not designed to make us happy. They're designed to prevent us from dying. <laughs> right? It's prehistoric. Our brains are very old and they have not evolved to the extent that uh, our economy and our technology has evolved. Now he talks about medieval institutions being things like government and the assembly line worker that still very much exists. And we're trying to push the, the agenda of the knowledge worker and community and relationships, but it's slow. Mm. And then, of course, godlike technology. I mean, it's just driving us all bonkers. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's fascinating. I have to read that. I have it's to read a really, that. really good book. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So let's dive <laughs> deeper into this um, model that you created. That and how how do you use this with your clients? Well, I haven't actually used it yet. I just started mm-hmm. introducing the concept to some colleagues and running it by, actually ran it by a couple of clients two weeks ago, and they both loved the idea. They wanted to go deeper. I mean, I'm, I'm exploring it myself, but I can imagine that we would look at where on the diamond we come from in different places of our lives. Mm-hmm. Like where might be the divine feminine? Where might be the divine child? And then where might be the wounded parts of ourselves, the wounded masculine, the wounded spirit, wounded child, a lot of times our survival mechanisms are are pretty simple, like they're predictable, right? Mine is, um, you know, if there's a problem, I'm going to see if I can outsmart it or outwork it. I'm just going to work harder. That's my automatic. It's very masculine. It's wounded masculine. Yeah. And so from there, what I vision what I envision is actually bringing the opposite side of the diamond first into the picture. Cause that's usually what happens is like when you have a wounded child, you need connection to spirit. When you have wounded feminine, you need connection to the divine masculine. Right. 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 So it's, it's really seeing, well, what does that survival mechanism need right then and there? What does it need more of from you? What parts can you bring in? And then where might you operate from that divine part of self, from the divine masculine? You know, like you said, when you're at the top of the mountain, you recognize you have a lot of good masculine qualities in you. I don't, let's not take that away. Let's see what else we can bring in that would have even more of like a a rainbow lifestyle of multidimensionalness to your life. I know for me, it's my next breakthroughs are in the divine feminine and the divine divinity. Mm, right, right. Yeah, it's <clears throat> when I first started climbing mountains, I I was always about the mindset of let's see how fast we can get there. Let's see, you know, let's see if I can beat my last time. Let's see, um, you know, like how quick how quick we can get there, whatever it was. And once I started slowing down and allowing myself to feel more and be more. And to recognize more and be aware of, that's when, and, and it wasn't about pushing, it was about actually being. And that's when my biggest breakthroughs happened. 
So it wasn't about going into nature to prove anything. It was going into nature to heal and to be and to experience what was there and to feel, right? And to bring in and to, and that's actually when I would have my greatest, oh gosh, my greatest hits with, um, or, or downloads from, if you want to call it spirit, universe, God, whatever. That's when I experienced so much awe and wonder. You can't experience awe and wonder when you're moving fast. It doesn't, mm. it just doesn't work. You have to slow the hell down to actually allow it to unfold and to um, be present. It's very fascinating. So when I'm guiding client, clients now and they always ask me, well, how fast do I have to hike or how long is it going to take us? And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know how long it's going to take us <laughs> and how fast do you have to hike as fast as me, which is slow. I don't hike fast. I mean, I do sometimes, but you know, when I'm on my personal stuff, but for the most part, even on my personal stuff, I don't hike very fast because I don't want to miss anything. Then you miss the magic. Wow. What I hear in that is putting down the masculine, proving, fast drive and allowing the feminine, the slowing down, the patience to come in, which has you experience all of it, the awe and wonder, the connection to, to the universe and to nature, and also to the wonder and curiosity and childlike awe. So that, that actually was a catalyst for the other spaces of your being. Which is fascinating when, as we're talking about this whole model that you created. Wow. I like it. It worked. Thank you. Awesome. I know. <laughs> I know. It's, like, it's like I'm onto something or something. You're onto something. Isn't that fascinating? <laughs> I yeah. I, I, can't, I can't wait to bring it out more. It needs some work, but you know what? One last thing that I love about it is that there are huge schools of thoughts in all four areas. Mm-hmm. So we're not invent, reinventing the wheel here. It's really a, it's a distinction. It's a place you start with self-awareness so that you can go, oh, that's what's happening. Yeah. I, this is where I am. And then you can say, okay, this is the entire industry that you can head towards. If it's wounded child, therapy and healing and and inner work and journaling and going back in time. If it's yeah. masculine, if you if you actually need more of the, the masculine in your life, look at all the executive coaching books. Exactly. 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 Yeah, I um I love that. That's that's pretty incredible. It's a great, it's a great model. Good job. Thank you. Job. It's like so, I do my best thinking in spin class. Well, I do my best thinking when I'm paddling or I'm out in the mountains or, you know, I don't get, I don't do my best thinking when I'm sitting inside at a desk. It's just <laughs> <laughs> no way. <laughs> no way. No way. I totally relate to that. Yeah. Well, that's just, um, there's so many reasons for that as we know. So it's cool. Yeah. So, uh, is there anything else that you would like to share with our listeners before we wrap up? regarding masculine, feminine, regarding any of the work you're doing, um, anything that you're, that you're experiencing in life, any ahas? Well, I think especially now that we're still in quarantine, Mm. but there's hope on the horizon. The best thing that you can do right now is to take care of yourself 
and to feed as much patience and as much goodness as possible. Yeah. It's an interesting statistic that most people break out of prison within 10 days of their parole, within 10 days of getting out. So there's something wow. about seeing the light at the end of the tunnel that has you react and go a little crazy. Mm. And so for people who are experiencing that right now, I think we constantly, because we're on, our eye is on that hope and that, that light at the end of the tunnel, we don't recognize the wildness of our survival mechanism and our fight, flight, or freeze. So continue to, to insert patience, insert compassion, self-care as much as you possibly can and get out of the freaking house. Yep. I agree. Hug a tree, pet a dog. Go outside, ride a watch, bike. Watch the clouds go over your head. Yes, hundred percent, hundred percent. I told a friend of mine. I went, I uh, go fly a kite, and I mean that in the best way. Yes, I haven't flown a kite for a while, by the way. <laughs> but now I'm going to have to. <laughs> I know. I know. I mean, it's just a good idea now. <laughs> Great idea. I might have to take one into the Grand Canyon. I never really thought about that before. I have some pretty rad places that I could fly a kite. <laughs> oh, that would be amazing. That would what be amazing. Flying kites in the that. Grand Canyon. That's, that sounds like a good autobiography. Flying kites in the Grand Canyon. Never done that. <laughs> I've never done before. That's going to be one of them. Yeah. That's amazing. Wow. Well, it's been wonderful to have this conversation with you as always. And where can people find you? Well, again, thank you for having me. I've so enjoyed every every tiny tidbit of conversation I've had with you. You you are so radiant and shining and warm. I always feel very accepted and acknowledged. Uh, you can find me at coachingwithlp.com. So light's coming in from my from my window. Oh. Uh, I'm also on LinkedIn, Lisa Bachance, and you can find me on Instagram, also coaching with LP. And I have a totally rad Facebook group called Coaches Creating Community. So if you're really interested in developing more, uh, more resources, more community, more laughter, more depth, definitely look me up on Facebook and I'd be happy to bring you into that community. That's awesome. That's super cool. I love it. Well, it's been a pleasure having you here and we will definitely continue to follow along in what's going on within your life. And I'm sure at some point we will be reconnecting many, many times over and doing more work together too. So thank you for being here. Thank you so much, Sarah. Really appreciate it. You're welcome. Friends, thank you for listening to the Live Boldly podcast. I am grateful to have you here, and I would love to invite you over to sarahschultoncrans.com to grab my free seven steps to a joy-filled life. I share these seven steps from my own heart, soul, and experience. These steps transformed my own life from victim to survivor. Also, please, let's all be ripple effect of change in today's world. I ask of you to please share this podcast with others that may need to be inspired or who need to hear from others going through where they are right now. To grow this podcast, please leave an iTunes review, go to my Instagram or Facebook page, and let me know what you think. I love hearing from each and one of you. I love sharing your thoughts, messages, and inspiring words. Because we are not alone in this world, friends. Let's keep the ripple moving. It begins with each one of us. 
I love you and have a great remainder of your day. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.